amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Good. <laughs> good, 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 good afternoon, everyone. Um, this is the very first show of uh, learning paganism. And um, please forgive me here. Uh, there, I've never done blog talk radio before, so there's a lot of like new features that I'm trying to get used to. Uh, we are going to have like call-ins and stuff, you know, in the future. Um, not not in this particular show, but uh, if you do want to know for future reference, the guest call-in number here is six four six 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 eight two three seven zero. Now. I started this show a little, I've only got half an hour, um, and I started this show a little bit prematurely, so now I've only got 24 minutes, so I need to just jump right into it, if that's okay with you guys. Um, first off, I am your host, my name is Bell Tala, um, that is a magical name, if you could not tell. Bell is a, a really old, ancient, magical word, and Tala is a sea word for uh, red wolf or stalking wolf. And um, I have a lot of uh, really intimate history with wolves um, coming from my childhood. And uh, I've always been particularly drawn to the red wolf, even though my history was with gray wolves. Um, So I chose that name, and that was one of many magical decisions, pagan decisions I've made in the last year or so. So I want to use this episode Every episode from here on in is going to be very instructive and helpful and talking about what paganism is to me, where I am in my path, what I am learning in that particular moment. And um, so that's the future of the show. That's the sort of thing you can expect when you tune in here. But for this first show, I thought, you know, it it might be a good idea to just tell you who the hell I am. Um, So... Let's start with that. Uh, my name is, my, my actual world name is Joel Austin Higgins, and uh, I go by Joel Austin most of the time. Um, I'm an actor. I'm an artist. I live in New York City, um, and for most, I would say, of my adult life, you could classify me as an atheist or an agnostic. Um, before my adult life in my teenage years, I did actually play around a lot with, with paganism. And there was this great, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and there was this great little shop called Magical Journeys, which is now a different New Age shop. I don't know the name of it because I, I moved away after um, or before, rather, the transition happened. So there was this great New Age shop called Magical Journeys that was right next to this great coffee shop, which is still there, called Cafe Coco. Shout out to the Cafe Coco people. Uh, in Nashville, it is an incredible place, Cafe Coco, or at least it used to be. Again, I don't really know what it's like these days. It used to be a 24-hour coffee shop. Can you believe that? 24-hour coffee shop um, right there on the west end of Nashville and close to the Vanderbilt campus. And uh, it was right behind one of my favorite music venues, Exit End. Um, it was really close to a dance club that me and my theater friends went to a lot called Play. 
Um, and so it just sort of became our spot. I mean, we would leave, we would, I would, I didn't grow up in Nashville. I grew up in Dixon, which is about 35, 40 minutes away. And we would drive into Nashville just to go to Cafe Coco um, and just to like spend the night there talking and, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes and shooting the crap basically. And um, as a part of that, we often frequently wandered into magical journeys and I got to know staff there, particularly there was a tarot reader named Panther who I got really, really cool with and he read me a lot and I, I loved it. Um, for that good two to three year period where that was kind of life, it was a lot of theater and movies and going to Cafe Coco and clubs and Coco and magical journeys. This whole like sort of wild creative period to me was punctuated by this one particular new age shop. And everything I learned about it, I really liked. And I was fortunate to be around friends at that time who were also really interested in the occult, in paganism, et cetera, et cetera. So um, college happened. I moved away. We lost touch with each other. Life goes on, you know. And then going into college, I I entered a, a period of upheaval, which led me to a very rationalist viewpoint. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but, but when you are sort of, you know, in a period of, of real emotional upheaval, I think sometimes the tendency is to just sort of shut down all fantastical or magical thinking and become a complete rationalist as a sort of bulwark against the emotional devastation that your life is at that moment. And that is most definitely what was happening with me. So I, uh, you know, I, I, had that going on for like seven, eight, nine years, all through college, failed out of college, bummed around the streets of Nashville, went back to college four years later, finished college, met a woman who would become my wife, followed her to her grad school in Illinois, and then we moved to Connecticut, and this was now, at this point, I'm in my late 20s, and for the whole, I don't know, seven or eight years prior, I've been basically a rationalist with an atheistic or agnostic viewpoint on the universe. And sometimes staunchly so, sometimes very staunchly so. So last Halloween, as of this recording, it is November 4th, 2016. So we're talking October of 2015. My wife gets asked to go on a conference, uh, go speak at a conference in New Hampshire. And she's going to speak there around November 1st or 2nd. And it has always been a dream of mine to go to Salem. Now, at this point, uh, something important to keep in mind here is we had lived in Connecticut at this point for about a year, year and a half, which meant that I was going into New York City, which was about an hour commute um, regularly to do plays, to do shows, to do movies, to do acting classes. So this sort of creative thing that was kind of absent in my life was very much back in, in a very big way. And so when the opportunity came up that, oh, we've got to go to New Hampshire around Halloween anyway, or at least she does, look at a map, see what's on the way to New Hampshire, Salem, Massachusetts. I freak out. I freak out. I've always wanted to go to Salem, and, oh, my God, I get to go to Salem around Halloween. That's incredible. Now, we were not actually there on Halloween last year. We were there a few days before it. So we go to Salem. It's beautiful. It's incredible. I can't recommend going there more, especially in the autumn but one particular thing, and, and maybe down the road someday I'll, I'll have like a full blog post where I'm just talking about that trip because there's so much I can talk about. But there's one particular thing that's important to this conversation, and that is that in Salem there is a walking tour. There are tons of walking tours in Salem, but one of them is 
held by actual witches. And you go and take part in a pagan ceremony at the beginning of this uh, particular walking tour. And then they walk around Salem and give you a perspective of classical and contemporary witchcraft, both in uh, terms of cultural sort of uh, images of witchcraft, which are accurate or inaccurate, but then also what, what actual witchcraft is today. So we begin this ceremony, and um, it's just a simple blessing ceremony where you are basically taking a moonstone and sort of pouring some positive intentions into it. And the craziest, most unexpected thing happened. It had already been an incredible day, uh, one of the best days of my life. And my wife and I are standing in this circle around a bunch of other strangers and this one witch whose name was Sammy, the ginger witch, I believe. I believe her mother now is running Hex there in Salem. Uh, so shout out to those guys if, if they are listening to the show. I love Hex. Great store. So um, we are in this circle, and I start to hear, I start to feel first the presence of this other thing. And then it starts to communicate with me in language that I understand and some language that I don't understand. And to say that it shook me down deep into my little atheist core at that point would be an understatement. It was, it was revelatory. It was uh, maybe one of the big turning points of my life. Because after that's over and we go on the actual walking tour, I am seeing the world through new eyes. I am seeing it in a way that I never even knew was possible. I never even had a glimpse of the possibility of the world that I was now living in completely. And because of the acting training that I've been going through, which is based on the work of Stanford Meisner, who is all about presence, who is all about being honest, who is all about being in the moment, I was experiencing it at a heightened, truthful, honest level. All right? I was not running from it. I was able to let myself really feel what was happening around me and really be sensitive to the energies that were once hidden but were now suddenly present. So we wrap up. This is the last thing we do in Salem that night. Uh, we, we get in the car and we are driving to our hotel, which is, oh, I think it was maybe an hour away. Um, and then that next morning we were going to go ahead and go the rest of the way to New Hampshire. And I'm talking to my wife and I'm telling her this is incredible. I don't know how to explain what's just happened to me, yada, yada, yada. She said, you know, she had an incredible time too. Um, and, and we are getting up to New Hampshire. Now, for the two days that my wife is in New Hampshire speaking, I, like I said, am an actor, but I also do other things, as most actors do these days. I also do other things to support us, my, my wife and I, uh, for money. And uh, one of the, the, probably the biggest of those things is I'm a freelance video editor and animator. I'm also a freelance writer on occasion, although the pay is not great <laughs> for that. Um, so I had my laptop with me, intention being that I was going to work. You know, while my wife was at, at her conferences, I was going to go to a Panera or a Starbucks or whatever and set up shop for a day, which is something I do pretty regularly anyway, because sometimes it's just nice to get out, get out of the house. I work in the house a lot, but sometimes it's just nice to go to a cafe or a diner and just sit there for five or six hours and, and toil away. Um, but this particular one, I, I, I went to the Panera and I could not stop thinking about what had happened. And this is the next day, you know, we've got to our hotel already uh, in New Hampshire, which was incredible. They put us in like a penthouse. It was insane. Um, we're in New Hampshire. It's this 
great little town, and I'm in this Panera, and I'm trying to work, and I can't stop thinking. Can't stop thinking about what happened. So I'm like, I, you know, I'm not getting any work done anyway. Let's open up Google and see if there's a new age shop around here. So there was. So I go to the new age shop. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, and if I prepared a little bit more, I probably could find the name of it. Um, but I go to this new age shop, great little new age shop, the only one in town. And I talk to the guy there and I basically tell him what happened. And I'm very quiet and I'm very like shy about it because it, it, it's weird to me at that point that this has even happened. It's like, I don't even know how to, how to construct a framework for the conversation I'm trying to have. I'm trying to tell this guy that, that, you know, yeah, okay. All these other people see and feel things, but I never did. And now suddenly I do. And what is the guy's very patient. And he's like, you know what? I, I think, I think you need to explore paganism. I think that's what you need. I think you need to, in order to get your rational mind around it, I think you need to read some. So he recommends some books and I end up walking out of there with, uh, Wicca by Scott Cunningham. Um, devour it. Go back to that Panera and, and read probably the, a third or, or something. If it's not that big of a book, so that wasn't that much of a challenge. But the rest of the day, that's pretty much all I do. You know, I, I, I shunt work that day entirely and I just focus on this and my whole mind is, is awakened. So for the following year, I have been exploring these things and then, uh, you know, buying more books and sort of teeter-tottering here and, and, and sticking a toe in the water there. And importantly, something else that's happened in the last year is my wife and I moved from Connecticut into, uh, we, we actually are just outside of New York City in Yonkers. I can literally walk into the Bronx from where we are. So we're within subway range and for all intents and purposes, we pretty much live in New York City. But crucially, we do not live in a New York City-esque part of New York City out out my back door, although we live in an apartment, <laughs> out my metaphorical back door, there's a big park called Man Portland Park, which is our corner of it here in Yonkers. It's basically just woods with paths in it. Um, so that's very not New York-y. And our neighborhood is not very congested, and you can drive easily in our neighborhood. And, and uh, there are big grocery stores and movie theaters and malls and things that you don't really see um, uh, in the same way, anyway, in in New York City proper. So our little slice of New York, while we're very close to New York, it's very easy to get to New York, is actually not very New York-y. Our apartment even is bigger than most New York apartments that you would find for the same price. So um, we're very fortunate up here, and part of the reason we were both drawn to this place is because it is very close to this big park. It is very close to nature. It is very easy to go out here and get a slice of nature, um, which is something that's become very important to both of us. So now I want to fast forward to over the past year, I've been learning, I've been reading, I haven't really been, been practicing anything. I've just sort of been uh, drawn into it and getting more Scott Cunningham books. The, the man has an impressive <laughs> uh, library, um, you know, no matter, even if he wasn't writing about paganism, his, his library of, of work is, is just, you know, by my novice eyes, pretty impressive. So we've got a bunch of Scott Cunningham books. And, and what I felt particularly drawn to right off the bat was tarot. Um, like I said, I knew that tarot reader in Nashville. So tarot has always been, well, at least, you know, uh, in, in my entire teenage and adult life, has always sort of been in my periphery. And in the last year, I went and got this in, in incredible book that I ordered online because I wanted to learn more about 
the actual story of tarot, not just the divination part, but the actual story. And so I went and got Rachel Pollock's 78 Degrees of Wisdom, and I'm still reading that book. I got that book probably eight months ago, and I'm still reading it. But part of the reason I'm still reading it is because now my ritual every morning is, or I try to make it every morning, every morning that I can, I wake up, I go into uh, now this little room, and I'm going to refer to this room that I'm in right now as the room. We're going to be referencing the room a lot in uh, future explorations of this topic of paganism and learning more about it. So for now, just know that there is a room that you will learn a lot more about. So I go into the room, also a room, (laughs) I go into the room, and I sit down with uh, my, my tarot deck, which I have two tarot decks now. Um, one is one that I study with, and that is the, the writer uh, weight uh, tarot deck, you know, your basic standard classic tarot deck. And I sit down with that, and I sit down with Rachel Pollock's book, and I sit down with a journal. And I shuffle, and I pray, and I pull out three cards. And those three cards are meant to just show me what I need to know that day. Um, and they usually do come in a sequence, you know. There are three cards drawn at random, but almost every single day, because I do feel that I'm being guided to draw these particular cards, almost every day when I draw them, there is a very, very logical almost sequence of things leading to each other. It's like card A is trying to tell you this thing that is reinforced or in some ways uh, expanded upon in card B. And then card B is saying, okay, now take these two lessons and mold them into card C, and that's what you need to know today. And it always feels that way. I, I would say almost all the time it feels that way. Um, maybe even all the time it feels that way. I'm struggling to think of a time when it didn't feel that way, where it does feel like someone is having a conversation with me, because that's ultimately what tarot is. It is a conversation that is being had between, uh, you know, me and the cards and, and the forces that are governing the drawing of the cards. So, I have been getting more and more into tarot, and then something remarkable happened this last Halloween. So now we're looking at uh, just a few days ago, five days ago, uh, October 31st, 2015. And even just now, as I said that, five days ago, I I felt the urge to cry. And the reason why is that, and this has never happened to me before, um, but my wife and I, this year, we've actually been back to Salem uh, let's see, we went last Halloween, that was the first time, and then we went two more times in the last year. Uh, we went once in January and once in March, I think, March or April, and then this, we went back this half of Halloween for our fourth trip to Salem, fourth trip in a year. Um, that's how much we like it. And uh, going back to Salem this time, we planned it better. And we were just going to Salem. No other, we, we thought maybe we'd go to Boston a little bit, on the way home, but there was no other, like, we weren't going to New Hampshire or anything. We were just going to Salem, just going for this particular time. And the time you're going, we wanted to get there the day before Halloween, stay on Halloween, and then stay the day after Halloween and then leave. So we got there October 30th, and we left November 1st. We woke up really early to get there on October 30th, so we actually ended up getting there at, like, 11, which was even a little bit later than we meant to. So we got there at, like, 11 a.m., the day before Halloween, and we left at uh, probably 3 or 4 p.m. on November 1st. So we were there a good chunk, and particularly uh, we were there for 
Samhain slash Halloween um, in its entirety. So, I, again, I could do another full episode, and maybe I will, on, on what exactly happens this year. But what's really crucially important is that the culmination of events that did happen, including my first actual Samhain celebration with other pagans, uh, which was just beautiful and incredible and wonderful, and there were so many people, it was like 50, 60, I don't know, people there celebrating Samhain together, uh, being led by uh, an incredible coven there in Salem, and um, a very famous coven in various incarnations. So uh, being led in this, at this beautiful park, which was huge for me, actually practicing with other pagans for the first time ever. And this all led me to November 1st. There's maybe 10% of the people who were in Salem the night before still in Salem. We leave our hotel, we check out, we go to Salem, and we're sitting there, and I'm looking around, and the streets have emptied considerably, and I've seen some familiar faces, familiar to me now, because I've been there so much in the last year. Shop owners I know, tarot readers I know, runic readers I know. People I don't know, I, I might know their names. They certainly don't know me, but I'm recognizing people at the point. And I'm looking around the buildings, and, and there is, on November 1st, there's already a sense of sadness associated with that town because things are shutting down. Uh, the, the incredible play, Cry Innocence, uh, that you can see in town, Salem Town Square, closes on uh, Halloween. It, it's not there on November 1st. So seeing those doors leading into the Salem Museum that's beneath, in the, beneath the uh, Cry Innocence performance space in the town hall, and then also Cry Innocence itself, which is in the upstairs, also where they filmed the uh, I Could Have Spell On You scene from, from uh, Hocus Pocus, cool, interesting bit of information there. Um, seeing that building close and seeing other buildings closed and all the stalls that did line the street selling various things all gone, um, it is a sense of, of sadness and a sense of ending. And it actually perfectly accompanies, I think, what Samhain is all about. And if this show had started earlier, maybe we'd discuss Samhain or we might still, who knows. Um, anyway, we're there and we're looking at this empty town and it's time to leave and we get up to our car and I just can't help it. I start weeping and my wife looks at me and, and, and she's obviously concerned and I can't stop because I am so magnetically attracted to the energy of this space and the energy of this moment in the year every year and the energy of this time. And it is so hard, so hard for me to drive away. I've ne- it's never been hard for me to leave a place, and I've left a lot of places in my life, but this particular place was so hard for me to leave. So we spent a lot of money in Salem. We bought a lot of cool stuff. I'm going to start talking maybe a little bit faster now. It's giving over bits because we're running out of time here. But we spent a lot of money, bought a lot of stuff. We got home a whole new satchet, satchet, I just made that up, of books, um, oils, all kinds of new stuff. I've started making my own oils. I've started developing my own practice, and I thought, uh, since I, I host another podcast, an acting podcast, I'll never mention it again, just in this episode, very first episode, and that, that podcast is called Actor Things. And that podcast, if you go back and listen to it, has slowly evolved into a very spiritual podcast. And so I thought, you know, maybe I just need to start one where I'm exploring these things locally because now that I feel committed after this Samhain and this Halloween to not only learning the pagan path, last year it was just like a fascination now it is a gripping thing. I cannot run from it. I can't escape it. It is in me. 
uh, and it has its, you know, claws deep, deep in me. So now that I am committed to and indeed have begun to explore these things in a personal way, in a way that is involving actual practice, it is time to talk about it. So that's what learning paganism is all about. I am learning paganism. You are learning paganism. Let's learn paganism together. So to that end, please call into the show, listen to the show. I'm going to try and do this every single Friday. That's the plan right now. 30-minute show every single Friday. Number to call into the show is 646-668-2370. That's 646-668-2370. Starting next week, we will have a topic for the show. We will also be taking in uh, listener calls, uh, so guest calls. So feel free to call into the show. And, uh, again, thank you so much for listening to this very first episode. My name is Bell Tala. That is how I will be referring to myself from here on in. Bell Tala, I hope you do uh, tune into the show if you're interested at all in learning more about paganism or in helping someone who is new on the path sort of, you know, find their way. Uh, please do call on the show. If you're in the New York City area and are interested in being on the show, being interviewed for the show, uh, having a segment on the show, whatever, please do get in touch with me or just call into the show while we are recording. Thanks so much, everybody. Right now, there's no Twitter, Facebook, or any of that stuff. We'll see what happens. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Thanks, everybody. I've been Bell Tella, and I will see you next Friday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chum. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.